Austin Approach. I'm your co-host, Bryce Doobie. And I am your co-host, Michelle Lai. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. How are you doing, Michelle? I am doing fabulous. It's been quite a week this past week, so I've been I've been busy. I've been happy. Lots of stuff happening, and uh, and we got to see each other again this week. We did. It's it's been. I feel like this is the time of year, at least for the airport. We just came off of our record setting day after Formula One. We had our ACL weekends and all of that. We have couple weeks to catch our breath before we roll right back into Thanksgiving, which I think we already know is going to be incredibly busy. There was still a lot going on, though. I don't know about you. I mean, we, we saw each other. Um, we can talk about that in a minute because I think we have a theme to this episode. But we is there did. anything else you've been up to? <laughs> yes. Well, let me see. Last week was just uh, slamming and jamming. It was a, it was a, a week in which I um, I started off on Monday. So the city of Austin did a virtual learning week, which was awesome, and uh, and it was called the you know the the future um, with the eyes on the future. So I did a, a two hour presentation on the future of work, which was brilliant fun, just to hear everybody's. Um, you know, concerns and thoughts and ideas about what the future is going to hold in terms of, you know, the great resignation is happening. We've got Gen Z, the workforce right now. We've got a a new way of uh, thinking about our uh, employer-employee contract out there and, and how we relate to one another in the workplace. So it covered down on that stuff, which was which was fun. Um, and then I actually, I recorded a podcast with um, a guy called Andy Storch. And I mentioned this podcast before uh, during the episode that we recorded with our airport friends. Oh, yeah. Remember when we had the, yeah. Remember when we had the thing, hey, who, you know, what podcast do you listen to? And I was like, well, I listened to this podcast about talent development. So I actually featured on there. Um, there you yeah, go. So, yeah, it was, it was recorded in, in um, September, but it aired on Tuesday. So on Monday, I was there doing my future of work thing. And then on Tuesday, I had this uh, talent development um, hot seat podcast that came out where we talked about culture and the future and innovation and disruption. And so I feel like I did a lot of talking last week. <laughs> and I, I did listen to it. I, I, I couldn't, you told me, I'm like, well, I've got to at least listen to see what else is going out there. It was, it was very interesting. It is not, I mean, it's definitely not, I'm not in that realm, but I still found it interesting. So like, yay! Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, and then you and I saw each other. So our theme, our theme this uh, this week. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's. I mean, we all kind of know it's the November 11th every year is Veterans Day, or yep. um, for folks overseas with Armistice Day and all of that. But um, and I, th- I think it would be appropriate given both the history of Austin Bergstrom as formerly an Air Force base, and then. Um, some of the other things that we do here, we talk a little bit about veteran stuff um, and all of that. I do, before we jump into all of that, want to mention that we did have some other air service launch last week as well. So we had honor flights last Friday, but uh, earlier in the week, American Airlines launched a bunch of new international routes, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Puerto Vallarta, Punta uh, Cana, and our first ever route into Central America uh, in Liberia, Costa Rica. Uh, so those nice. all launched last week. So anyone who's looking to plan some tropical getaways heading into this winter season, this is your opportunity to do so. Wow. So you had a busy last week as well? 
Yeah, it was. I mean, the, these these ones were we knew they were coming and they, we didn't. They they was it was some pretty decent like planning to getting everything up and running. America is fantastic to work with on planning these types of gate events and things. But we had let, live music out there and the goodies and snacks and balloons and all of that kind of like how we do for these types of events. And it was it was exciting, even though it was they were early morning flights, so like our events were still kicking off at like six thirty in the morning. But there there was a good there was good energy. I think folks are really excited as we're seeing to get back out and travel and with a lot of these great new destinations, it's like kind of excuse to like trying to find an excuse to not do it. So I know there exact. There you go. Now you're talking. What's your excuse for not going somewhere? <laughs> Cause the door's wide open, isn't it? It, it really is. And I am, we're already looking towards springtime coming up and knowing, I mean, lo- looking at already, there's all these great tropical destinations um, right now. I mean, I've never been to Costa Rica, but I've got family who've gone down there uh, and it's, it's fantastic. And earlier that we'd launched, I know San Juan, Puerto Rico, the previous month. Um, like there are a lot of really great de- getaways like that. Now we're seeing with borders reopening for travel back to Europe with British Airways being back. And of course, KLM to Amsterdam starting in the early spring. It- it's an exciting time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So speaking about this, the Honor flight, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's honestly one of my favorite things to work on at the airport, even though I don't do a ton of work with it. I take photos and do some like coordination pieces with like some loudspeaker announcements and getting tables and things set up. But um, I've known the Honor Flights people. I actually, one of them was a former coworker back when I was doing uh, veterans work for the state here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with those folks for a while. And it's for anyone who hasn't seen it before, what they do is they bring. Um, it started out originally with World War II veterans, but it's since expanded to Korea, Vietnam. They've done some other ones for some uh, later generations of veterans, but it's really focused on a lot of those older veterans, taking them to Washington, D.C. so that they can get that trip that they may never have had a chance to do and see those memorials and monuments that were built in their honor uh, and to do some of those tours, go to Arlington and all that. It's a it's a really cool thing. And for a lot of these folks, especially when you meet some of these World War II veterans – um, who at this point, I mean, they're all in their mid to late nineties at the youngest. Um, if you're thinking really world war two, um, yeah. like th- th- this, this is their maybe first and only time they're ever going to chance to go see any of that stuff. And it really is a, a humbling experience because you meet these folks. Um, and you just like, I, that's my favorite part of the whole thing is sit, getting to sit and talk to them beforehand and just kind of like hang out and seeing all these as a fellow veteran and like hearing like some of their experiences and things. And, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I so I have seen. Um, well, I've, I haven't. I haven't seen a, a proper honor flight, you know, from start to finish the way we we did. Not, but I have seen when um, an honor flight has arrived in. I mean, if you fly into DC, you're going to see some of that stuff anyway, right? Because these honor flights happen throughout the country. And so, a couple of times when I've been in DC, I've seen uh, they're they're coming to pick up their luggage, or whatever, and and they'll and they'll say they'll announce, and people will stand and they'll and they'll applaud and things like that. But just to see the full honor guard, like I didn't realize that TSA do. Um, a presentation of the colors and APD comes and, uh, and they do a, what's it called? The, um, that was actually the one that we just did. And I don't know if it's changed. I missed the last two that we'd done right before that, but I'd seen the previous ones. Um, but yeah, they have their, their pipes and their drum core out there. Mm-hmm. Normally it was just like a bagpiper. I had never seen that full ensemble before. So that was, that was actually new and special for me. Was it? I mean, it, it was terrific out there. They were all in their uniforms and just give, given, uh, given the veterans a, a real, do you know what I mean? Like a real honor. Oh and, yeah. And it's a, a fantastic send off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw, I only saw one World War II veteran out there. Was was there more? Did you see more? I think there was one on this flight, maybe two. I don't. I'd have to double check, but it's it. They are. It, I mean, at this point in time, just with the reality of of history and things, it, that is a slightly more rare situation, which is why I really, when I do get a chance at some of these honor flights, I do try to talk to them as much as I can. I remember, I will never forget actually. Um, this was, I think probably in like 2019 around the same time of year when we were doing them, I was talking to just to one of the gentlemen there and he was a world war two pilot. Um, he was a crew on bombers over Europe on B 29s. We had a long um. conversation just about all the stuff he'd done. Um, and he had just written a book that had come out and I was like, wow, that's really neat. It was just this, I mean, fascinating, harrowing story. I mean, if you know anything about aviation over Europe, I mean, the chances of like your survival rate and coming home from all of that was not great. And he did his yeah. full thing and came back, um, did his honor flight. And then maybe two or three months later passed away. Uh, I mean, cause he was in his, it was, I think he was like 97, 98 years old. But he did get wow. to make that trip. And it was really, I'm glad I got to talk to him um, and really just hear his experiences. Well, I tell you what, you see when, you know, you see when the procession starts to move and people realize what's happening. Because initially there's that curiosity, right? What's going on? And if, I know there's there like some bagpipers just standing here. Yeah. What, like what's happening? <laughs> and then um, as, as, as you start walking and people start to applaud, it's a very emotional thing. Oh yeah. Like you would have to have a pair of glass eyes not to not to not to brim up a wee minute there because I mean these folks their um their impact on on history and and they're there and they're and they've they had gone through so much and they survived and you know what I mean it's just it's really powerful stuff. I have to say oh, yeah. I was I was like holding back holding back my emotions watching that stuff because it's really I don't know it's just it's very uh it's very moving. It it really is. I I especially feel too particularly with um with the Vietnam veterans who we're seeing more of on the trips and things. Now I feel mm-hmm. that, that to me personally, I'm like, I think about that one a lot with they get to get that, that welcome ceremony and that, uh, that applause and that appreciation that they may not have gotten in the sixties and seventies. So I, I think right. it's, 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 re- it's, it's a really cool moment. And if you do get a chance, if you're ever in the terminal, when they're doing those, definitely st- like check it out. And then I know there's also return ceremonies when they come back. And as we start to, I guess, with reopen with, coming out of COVID and things, there, there are opportunities for folks to come out into the public spaces at the terminal and actually do a welcome home for these uh, veterans when they do come home. Speaking of veterans, I mean, you're one. So let's talk about you, Bryce. Okay. <laughs> you're an army veteran, right? I, I, mean, I, I, am, I am an army veteran. How long are we in for? Uh, I was on active duty for 13, almost 13 years from 2003 to 2016. Wow. What did you do in What did you do in the in the in the army? Uh, I was at what they call a public affairs specialist, which is very similar to a public information specialist, which is mm-hmm. what I do now. So, um, more or less, very similar roles to what I do now. A lot more when you start out, um, photojournalism is a big piece of it. So, like taking pictures and writing stories, um, and all of that, and then you do work with media and reporters, and when you're maybe overseas working like getting reporters like embedded into units and all those types of things um honestly the, the, a lot of the same job i do now it transit my tr- my military transition work wise um was not particularly difficult um because it was it was one of those jobs it wasn't like i was dri- i originally wanted to drive tanks 
Um, Doesn't everybody who joined the army <laughs> want it? <laughs> it seems like a cool job, but it it, it, uh-huh. it didn't. I don't. I think I I picked the job. I was like, yeah, you know, this seems interesting and really cool. And um, little did I know it was a very deployable MOS. So I did travel to a bunch of different countries. Um, Where did you go? Where were your tours at? Uh, so I deployed to Iraq twice in 2004 and then in 2009, 2010, uh, and then deployed to Afghanistan in 2014, um, and then traveled to Kyrgyzstan just for like a couple of weeks once, which was super cool, and then was stationed in Japan, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. um, for about three years, which was amazing. So when so when you when you did your your um your public affairs stuff did you did you actually go out on the field with uh, uh yeah i mean sometimes yeah. not not everything but when you do see if you ever watch the news or seeing like a newspaper and you see like the image or the video and it says like in the corner like courtesy department of defense or department of the army mm-hmm. nine times out of ten that came out came from either someone like us or there's another similar job that does a lot of documentation as well but that's yeah that's where that stuff comes from yeah Amazing. Uh, but it was it was it was awesome. It was it's you you get to see so many different things and ride in helicopters and go on patrols and do all sorts of really interesting stuff. Um, I, it was in, in hindsight one of the best decisions I ever made because I did come away with just some really cool skills and things like that and see all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's definitely it's still the military and it was still the military during a rather busy time of conflicts and things. So there's a lot of other pieces to it. But yeah, it was. It, it was a it was a fan, awesome experience. How long were you in Japan for again? Uh, three years. Wow. Yeah, which was a lot. I, I was never expecting that, and that was really cool. And the fun part with that job was I was actually a, a reporter for Stars and Stripes at the time, which is a lot of people when they think military and journalism, they think Stars and Stripes and worked at Stars and Stripes and didn't actually have to wear a uniform for three years because I was let, working. I was a soldier working as a civilian reporter, which was amazing. What? I, just, I didn't even know there was such a thing. It's a, it's, there's like very few people who get to do that job. And I lucked into it somehow. And I, I spent of, of my 13 years in uniform. I spent four, four of those years, not in uniform between that and another assignment. So. I, wow. Well, I mean, but you signed, you, I mean, you, I, I, when we talk and you talk about being in the army and being in the military, you speak very fondly of it. Mm-hmm. Right, like it, it was a big, it was a big chunk of your life, and it was, it was a big impact for you professionally and personally, and and how you traveled and everything. Why did you leave? Um, so for me personally, there's a the way I, I was enlisted, and there, there's a point in your contracts. That's why I said I did almost 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to a certain point, you have to re-enlist indefinitely, which then commits you to like doing like a 20 year total time in um, service. And I had done enough side assignments like stars and stripes. And I had done another program called training with industry where I went and worked for a civilian company. So I spent 16 months working in Google's office in Washington, DC on their communications team. So I had enough other little things on my resume at that point where I was like, I don't, there was, there's always an appeal to stay in for 20 years. But I was like, you know what, this is such a communications is such a fun dynamic world. I might as well get out now Cause I'd still, if I stayed in, I'd still be in the army for another couple of years before I could yeah. even like look at getting out and retiring. And I was like, you know what? I want to strike while the iron's hot and get out and see what other things I can do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, thank you for your service. Thank you for your support. And 
Because I mean it's, it. I, you know, I'm, I'm totally veteran friendly in every way. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I am. I, I'm like, I, I, w- I, totally, I would certainly, I would certainly hope so as a military spouse. <laughs> I know that's what I mean as a military spouse, but but also, I mean, like we have, I have so many friends in the military, and um, and you know, we do. Uh, have a program in the city of Austin with uh, Fort Hood in Colleen, mm-hmm. where we we bring um, veterans who come, uh, who are about to uh, retire, and if they haven't met retirement yet, you know, then they're they're leaving, and we bring them in on a on a work um, program, like a transition program. And I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of that program. I think it's I think it's awesome. Yeah, we've we, brought in some good talent from that. I know we've we had some folks have. who've come come mm-hmm. in, which was really cool. Yeah. And we, and and you and I were talking about this as we were prepping for this podcast. I mean, we have, I think we're at 16% veteran employment at the Mm -hmm. Austin airport, you know, just for the city of Austin portion, which is pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if you go into a room and there's a hundred people in there, six, I mean, which is, this is really basic dumb math. Again, I was an enlisted guy, but like six, (laughs) 16 of those people in that room are veterans or maybe if you're in the room, more than like, one out of every 10 people you meet who works in the department of aviation is a vet. Like that's, that's not insignificant by any means. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I think we can always do more for our veterans and it's pretty cool that we'll be, we'll be speaking to some of our veteran employees today to talk to them about their experiences. Yeah. Um, so we have, instead of just one guest, we have a couple different folks from a couple different eras who are about to join us. Um, so we will take a quick break and come back and talk to them about their time at the airport and their military service. Want to stay connected with the Austin Approach? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. You can also find us online on Facebook and Twitter at Austin Airport, on Instagram at AUS Airport, and on our website at austintexas.gov airport. Got a question or topic you'd like to hear on a future episode? Email us at the Austin Approach at austintexas.gov. Bryce, I know we've mentioned this before, but we actually have a lot of veterans that work at the airport. And um, I am so happy that three of our veterans agreed to come on today because they're all very shy, uh, agreed to come on today and talk about their experiences. Um, and so we have with us today, we have Miss Allison Simpson and uh, Mr. Trey Mole and Leroy Hargrove. And uh, they're all veterans. I'd love to uh, introduce them. So Leroy, how would you feel about going first? Yeah, no, no worries at all. What all do you want to hear? What do I need to well, I mean, tell us, I think you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do here at the airport and um, what you uh, what you did in the military. Awesome. Well, I am actually I'm the interim landside access manager. I'm over the ground transportation uh, section and the parking section here at the airport. Um, I've been here a little over Well, I've been with the city a little over 17 years. Uh, most of that time has been here. I started out in security at City Hall, and it's it's crazy, interesting story. I was uh, I was at the municipal building, and Miss Mary, who's the who was the mail carrier here for the airport, she would come every day to deliver mail. And uh, I asked her where she worked. She said, "I'm at the airport. You know, this is you ought to come out there and work for the airport." 
and she was telling me about everything. And so um, I saw an opening and I applied and I've been out here ever since. Oh, wow. So that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, I got out here and, and haven't looked back. But I, I enjoy my, my, uh, my time here. Um, I was in the United States Army. I enlisted in 1987. Uh, I was still in high school, went into the delayed entry program. And so uh, a buddy of mine, his dad was a recruiter. And so I was always going to go in the Army. I mean, my, my grandfather was in the Army. Both of my brothers were in the Army. And so I was pretty much destined to, to go in the Army. So I didn't have any thought. Didn't think about college, didn't think about anything else, just going into the military. And so I enlisted. My first duty station was uh, Ansbach, Germany. I was in 141 Signal Battalion in Ansbach, Germany, which was uh, the first two weeks was horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. you get a you get an 18-year-old guy in a foreign country, and when I first got there, it was it was dark, it was dreary. It was rainy. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch the Hogan's Heroes. If you're old, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember those guys, well, that's what it looked like. <laughs> that's what it looked like. It was like I was like, "Are you crazy?" What so first I of doing? all, first of all, Leroy, I I had no idea that that's how you started with the airport was through Mary. She was a lovely lady. Yeah. And secondly, when you said that your first two weeks was awful, I thought you were going to say your first two weeks of boot camp, <laughs> not your first two weeks in Germany. <laughs> oh man, boot camp was was wonderful. Really was crazy. You know what? I'm gonna tell you guys a story, and I know this is going out on podcast, but I'm not shy and I don't mind it. But my my nickname, he's drill sergeant. Give I mean everybody in our platoon had nicknames, and my nickname was Doohickey. <laughs> Doohickey. So before I, I back in like I said eighty eight, that was then Jerry curl days, right? And I had a Jerry curl in high school, and so me being slick, I I decided I'm gonna cut all my hair off because I knew they were gonna do that when I got to boot camp. But me being smart, I left this little bitty piece right up at the top. And that that was all it took. I mean, I got off the bus and drill saw and he zoomed, zoomed, zoned right in on it and said, what's that doohickey right there sticking out of your head? And that stuck, <laughs> that stuck with me for all the basic. They called me doohickey. But yeah, wow. basic, was, basic was, was, was crazy. It was fun. It was, it was everything that all the bad stories that you guys hear, it was all of that. How long were you in the Army for, uh, Leroy? Six years. Nice. That's awesome. Allison, tell us a bit about you, Allison. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Um, so surprisingly, my story actually kind of follows what Leroy just said um, a little bit. Um, I Mary listed, recruited you too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, I enlisted right out of high school, wasn't in high school, but right outside of high school. Um, I was actually taking some college classes, so I also did that delayed entry. Um, I enlisted into the Texas Army National Guard, um, went to basic, like Larry it was awesome. I loved every minute of it. Um, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, was in for about two years. Um, I actually got out, um, had a little boy, I had my son, 
And after a couple of years, I decided to go back in. So I re-enlisted. Didn't have to go through basic though. I'm kind of upset about that. Um, went back in, became a medic. And I was in for about six years before I was medically retired. Um, and then here at the airport, I started uh, with the city in 2005. I started off at APD 911. Was recruited by a former airport employee um, who's still with the city but no longer here at the airport. Um, came over here after working at 911 for a year, and I've been over here at the aviation for about 14 years. So. Wow. And Allison, you said you were, did you say you were medically retired? Yes. Um, while I was deployed to Iraq, I got injured and they decided that I could no longer fulfill my duties. And so I medically retired. Wow. So you were, you were in a, in a war zone in Iraq, right? You went to war? Yes. I went to Iraq in 2010. Um, we actually went to Washington, uh, Fort Lewis, for some pre-deployment training. Since I was National Guard, we do it a little bit different than active duty. Um, I actually met my husband up there. Um, he's another aviation employee. Um, he was in the Army as well. And uh, someone up there in May 2010 left for Iraq in June of 2010, mm-hmm. got injured in October of 2010. Um, I actually stayed in Iraq um, after I got injured, and then we came home in May of 2011. I have to ask, where were you in Iraq in 2010? Because I may have just missed you. I was down over the Camp Victory area that same year. Um, I started off in uh, Buka. Okay. Um, and then after a couple months of being in Buka, I went to Basra. So our medical unit actually was split into two. And then um, I was there for the close of the base in Buka. And then we all transferred to Basra with the rest of our unit. Wow, that had to be pretty tough to be in a medical unit out there, no? Um, so we never left base. We were we ran both clinics on both bases. Um, so fortunately, we didn't see a lot of what the frontline guys had to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. We mainly just ran sick call, and then we, of course we got whatever injuries we got from small arms fire um, coming onto the base. Um, but fortunately for me, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a, what a history, what an experience, Allison. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been rough, but I do it all again. And I'm sure Leroy and Trey would say the same thing. So. Wow. Speaking of Trey, tell us about yourself, Trey. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so I was in the United States Marine Corps. I joined in 2006. I also did delay entry program because um, I didn't join right out of high school. I was in college. I, did, I got bored of college. And, well, I saw the writing on the wall. I was very good at the social aspect of college, but not necessarily the going to class aspect. And so <laughs> I saw that I was just wasting money. Uh, I was partying a lot and not necessarily doing what I needed to do. So uh, one day I was cleaning out my wallet and I found a, a business card for the Marine Corps, called them up and a couple weeks later joined the delayed entry program so that I could finish that semester. Um, 
yeah, joined 2006. I was in for five years and then went back two years as a contractor. I deployed four times, um, Afghanistan twice and the Philippines twice. I wow. was a uh, signals intelligence. And so I did a lot of radios and SATCOM and communications uh, for four deployed units. It was, it was a lot of fun. So, and, and what do you do now here at the airport or have, what brought, what brought you on that path uh, to join aviation? Sure. So I uh, am an IT project manager for a department of aviation here. Um, I was networking. So kind of in the same field that I did in the Marine Corps. And the reason I started working here is uh, a guy I was in the Marine Corps with was moving to Dallas and he was like, Hey, this position is going to be open in the next few weeks. You should apply for it. Um, you'd be perfect for it. Applied, got the job. So um, that was five years ago and it's been a pretty good ride so far. Wow. Well, I'm glad you got, yeah, I'm glad you applied, Trey. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I enjoyed here. I like the, like the atmosphere. So what do you guys miss most about the military? If anything? I miss the camaraderie, I miss being around all the other Marines. Um, you know, it was a, we were a whole family. We got put into pretty strenuous situations together and, you know, those forged lifetime friendships. So, you know, I just miss being around all the, the guys and gals of the Marine, Marine Corps, the other Marines. Yeah. I think there's a, um, different, um, is that work life bond that you get in the military. I know when I was, when I was in like, you're, it's, I remember I was explaining to like one of my civilian friends at one point on just like, yeah, like you have like when you're like an NCO and you have soldiers and you're leading soldiers, like, yeah, they're, you're their supervisor, but you like know their birthdays and you know all their family details and you like you, there's so much closer uh, of a bond just in like that work-life balance with everything and just how it's everything. You're so involved in every part of everyone else's lives all the time that you really do make such a it's such a different experience um, than you would get, I think, just having a job. Yeah. How about you, Leroy? Do you miss anything about being in the military, even though it was so long ago? (laughs) 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 You know, you said 1987 and I was like, I was one. (laughs) Hey, don't do that to Leroy, man. Come on. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Mad respect. I. Yeah, no, I, I echo what Trey said and Bryce. It's, it's the camaraderie. Uh, you know, there's no there. I was thinking actually, I was thinking about this probably a, a couple months ago, and and there's no level of friendship that I've experienced in in from the military. I mean, you got you got civilians or coworkers that might get into spats and and people that you don't like and and it seemed like the whole thing, the whole department just falls apart, you know, but in the military, you have fights, you have spats, you have whatever. But in the end, at the end of the day, we're brothers and we're sisters, you know, and we we got each other's back no matter what. I mean, the you can joke and you can crack on everybody and everybody's laughing at you. But again, at the end of the day, I mean, you you live with these guys and these gals. You live with them. You sleep with them. You you go to you go to war with them. You go to train with them. You do PT with them. You go to the barracks with them. You go to lunch and dinner with them, and you do everything with them. And so they're family. 
Yeah. You don't get that anywhere else, I don't think. Like just like really high trust. Correct. Yeah. How about you, Allison? Is there anything you miss about it? Really just echoing what the three guys said. Um, your family, um, anything comes up, you know that the person next to you has your back and you don't have to worry about, you know, whether they do or they don't, you know, a hundred percent that they do. You can call them up for anything and they're, they'll be right there. But also, Allison, you're a, you. If I heard you correctly, you were. You said that you were in the army for two years, and you left, and then you had a kid, and then came back. Yes. That's so that correct. had to have been. That had to have been like. I mean, that's a big decision to make. Um, it was, but at the same time, it wasn't. Um, I missed being in um i miss being in now i mean honestly if i could figure out a way to go back in i probably would um but i had a lot of um family backing a lot of family support Uh, my mom and grandmother stepped up they took my son for me um each time that i had to go away for training or for a drill on each month or when i deployed so i mean without them i couldn't have done what i did yeah amazing like my hat goes off to you twice seriously that's like that's a lot well thank you i appreciate that but i mean i don't know once you in you're in you may have those days where you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, man, today was so horrible. I hate this. You know, I don't want to be in anymore. But once you're out looking back, you're like, man, you know, I had some really good times. Like I miss it. You know, I wish, I wish I could go back. So. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I know you get that level of just, um, resilient, the resiliency training you get just by being in sort of that day-to-day life. And I'm sure everyone else can agree. Like you just got like a bad day is a bad day, uh, but it really helps prepare you, or at least for me, um, transition out of the military into other workplace situations, things and being able to work through something. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's been, it's like, you. I think, especially as I'm getting older, learning more like, Oh, this was, beneficial and oh i picked up this skill here and this and that like i know with, with my job having to do like crisis communications work and like folks have remarked like oh you're really calm under pressure i'm like yeah <laughs> you, i'm used to that but yeah it's it's interesting i mean what 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 would you all say uh, and i think I'll, I'll jump to trey first um because how did the marine corps prepare you um or what are some things that you maybe picked up uh, that you kind of carry on in your life now? You know, to go with what you were just saying, staying calm under pressure, you know, it's this job. Yeah. There's a lot of deadlines and things you have to meet, but it's super easy to do when you're not getting shot at. So, uh, it could always be worse. You could always be in the the desert and getting shot at and getting blown up, things like that. But, um, it's all about perspective. So, you know, those times were, were good when I was 22 and Superman, but now a little bit older, it's kind of nice. Like having, you know, not being in stressful situations like that, but, um, yeah, staying calm under pressure, keeping really just level headed about everything. Um, taking a situation and not letting it control you, um, things like that. So that 
that and I would say, you know, just working with other people. Um, the Marine Corps is a great melting pot. And so you get all sorts of diversity in, in the Marine Corps. And you, it doesn't matter. You know, you're all at the end of the day, you're all Marines and you all wear the same uniform. And so having any bias or any um, discriminations, those just go away. And so it's makes it a lot easier to you know work with different backgrounds and try to see other people's points of view. Sound I'm might be rambling a little bit, but you know it. When you take out any bias and discrimination in the workplace, it makes it a lot more fun to work at. Yeah, no kidding. Those are some. I mean, that's great, right? Like to be able to be able to to bring that into the workplace and and carry them. I mean, that's that's transferable skills right there, Trey. What about you, Allison? Um, for me, I think it's kind of my work ethic. Um, I mean, I kind of had a strong work ethic, work ethic um, whenever I joined, but even more so now, like at work, you know, I have a project, I have something that needs to get done and it's just working through to make sure it gets done in a timely manner. I hate going home knowing that I still have, you know, part of a project to finish, you know, the next day or the next week or going on vacation um, knowing that I have, I'm not where I need to be, um, done on that project, which I don't know if it's not always a good thing, but for the most part, I think I can kind of make it a good thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, dependability is everything, right? Getting, getting it done, the task at hand. That's awesome. Yeah. Except for whenever, uh, you're at home and then you're stressing about what you know that you need to get done. Um, as I said, kind of, it's a double-edged sword. Um, but yeah, definitely my work ethic, I think. And then kind of what Bryce and Trey have already said. Uh, so Leroy, you said that you were always knew you were going to join. Um, but how did that mean, but still kind of with everyone else's, we asked kind of everybody else, like how did that coming away from it though? What, what, do you feel like even though it was an automatic decision for you in a lot of ways that you still like, what did you get out of it? Or how did it prepare you for um, the future? Um, I would echo kind of what Allison said, you know, one of the general orders of, of, of the army is, is I will, we got three and one of them is I will guard the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. And so that means that you, you don't leave until it's done. You don't quit till it's, till the fight's over. And even then you still are always on duty. And so that means that you, 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 you always taking care of business. So I understand what Allison is saying, cause it's drilled in you, you know, to operate like that. And, uh, I had a hard time to be honest with you guys. I had a hard time transitioning when I got out of the army. Because I, my, um, my first, well, one of my jobs here was, I started with security. And so I got with these, this company and you see people that, that, that half do stuff and crying about, you know, how it's unfair and how hard this is and this ain't right and it ain't right. And, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, man, what is your problem? You know, it's it just, it was, it was crazy. And so it, it was hard for me for a while. 
And so I had a hard time. It took me about a year or two years to, to get over that. And to speak to Allison's point, I did uh, consider going back in. I actually uh, went to a, uh, the guard and signed up and everything. And I didn't, I, I, I went to a drill and the unit that I was assigned to was eight up. And so Allison and Trey know what I'm talking about. It, it was, the unit was eight up. And so I, I didn't. I, I don't know what you're talking it. about. Tell me, Leroy, what does eight up mean? <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't a good unit. They, okay. They, you know, it, it wasn't a good unit. And so I didn't, um, I didn't fulfill that obligation. And so luckily I, I was able to get out because I, I, I didn't want to go to go to war with that unit and I didn't want to waste my time. So, uh, but all of those things, I, I say that just your dedication, that's, that's the one main thing that I, I've taken away from the military is dedication. Never giving up, always fighting, always going until the job is done. No, I mean, like you guys have a very unique perspective on what is fair and what is just in the world, I would argue, right? Being in the fact that you've of all, you know, being somewhere not, uh, that's not been a particularly great experience, right? You've seen the world through a different lands. So I can totally get it, Leroy, when you come back and you're like, why, why is everybody sniffling over this stuff? Uh, there's some big things happening over there, right? Yeah. You know, Leroy, I tried to go back in as well, but they told me it was cheaper to pay three privates than one sergeant. So, and then I was like, okay, well, I'll go to the army. And the army was like, oh, you have to be a certain weight. <laughs> And, you know, I was still a cocky Marine at the time, you know, I'd only been out for nine months, a year or so. And they were like, you have to be down to a certain weight. And it was lower than that of the Marine Corps. And I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. You know, do y'all do tapes? And they were like, no, you have to be this weight or you can't join. And I just started laughing, like, you know, not to dog on, well, to dog on the army, be like, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of army guys that were way over this weight. And they, they were like, well, sorry, that can't do it. So I pretty much just laughed my way out of their office. You never thought of joining the Navy, Trey? Absolutely not. What? What's wrong with you? As a Marine, you have to deal every day with people being like, oh, you're in the Department of the Navy? Like, yeah, the men's department. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I've heard it all, Trey. I've heard it all. Just over here winding you up. So, folks, it's Veterans Day. So, when, when you guys, uh, how do you each um, honor or celebrate Veterans Day? Um, honestly, I just probably take a moment to remember those that come before me. Um, my husband being a veteran ourselves, um, or as well, um, if we're off, we'll go up to our local VFW and, uh, participate in their little ceremony. Um, if we're working, then, you know, we both just kind of take a moment to reflect on those past. Um, I really, honestly, I don't do anything special. You know, I just do a lot of reflection. You know, I think about, I think about the, uh, about the guys and, and girls that are in now, the things that they're going through and how different it is. Uh, I think about the, you know, I've been to the VA for certain things a couple of times and, you know, I see guys that, that have been there. I mean, we're talking about, uh, Vietnam vets, you know, Korean War vets, and you see those, you see them, and you just have to give them respect, you know, because they've been through some some, some horrible things, you know, we all been through, but they've 
they've been through some hard ones, and they're still here. You know, they're still kicking it. And so I love it, man, when I see these guys walk around with their uh, Korean War hats on and, and World War II, you know, and, and things like that. Those guys are the ones that we really need to take our hats off to. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Trey, how about you? Oh, mine's a little less reflective. I, uh, well, up until last year, I did a motorcycle ride in the morning with, with a bunch of Vietnam vets. And, you know, last year, well, three years ago, we even had a World War II veteran with us. But I've since sold my motorcycle, so I won't be doing that ride. I'll probably go out and, you know, support those guys. But um, I like to reflect on the veterans of yesteryear by exploiting every discount I can on Veterans Day. So Good for you. That's why it's there. <laughs> my, wife, ditto, ditto. <laughs> my wife was also in the Marine Corps, and so we take that day off every year, and we'll make a schedule. So in the morning, we'll hit you know Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, and then we'll go to Applebee's. And you know we just do – we spend a day, just her and I, going around, and, and uh, you know, it's fun. I love that. That's actually really nice. Bryce, what do you do? Um, I don't know. Not, nothing to, I mean, I really probably, I probably text a few friends and things, but nothing too, too crazy. Uh, might, might go out for a meal or something. Um, generally pretty casual. I think it's, it's always, it's always an interesting time of year. Um, and I know it kind of lines up with a lot of things with work with like, honor flights and all of that so it's always like very foremost like in the forefront of my mind but nothing is kind of similar to what everyone else has been saying just you, i mean you, you definitely take a pause and just kind of think about some things and reflect back and just be like oh yeah like it's the, the folks who kind of came before and the folks who are in now and just so here's a question right for any young person who's thinking about joining the armed forces what what would you what reason would you give them to join? I'd say do it. Absolutely. I mean, I coming out of the Marine Corps, I had, I think seven college credits. I mean, seven college classes to my name, but I have two degrees now. Um, a well-paying job, you know, discipline. It's, I think it sets a young person up to be successful for the rest of their life. And so, um, yeah, you're going to go through, some hard times and you're going to be tested. But I think that adversity really helps you grow in character and as a person um, for, for the rest of your life. Yeah, it was, it was 100% the best decision I ever made. I was in a similar situation with at the time road ahead with college, not being something I was going to be successful in um, and decided to join the army and, Look, like looking back, I don't know where I would be if I if I hadn't joined the army. Um, it, was, it was a just great decision. I mean, you, you do have your highs and lows with all of it and things, but it definitely set me up for the really being successful uh, coming out of it. I don't know if I can say anything more than what everyone else has already said, but it definitely sets you up going forward. Um, makes you work with people that you never would even talk to on the street. Um, it gives you that direction that, you know, 
a lot of young folks need in life and they can set you up like Trey for a long term, get you, you know, college degrees and set you up for a career once you get out. I would say um, that definitely for with folks too, it's one of those things that um, it helps to like do a little research too sometimes. Like you know, when I was first looking at joining, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a tanker. I'm going to drive tanks. I don't know why I had it in my head that that was going to be the goal. Um and didn't even realize that were that there were other jobs in the in the military um, that had all sorts of different skill sets, and ended up finding out about public affairs, which is literally led into the transition with what I do now with public information here at the airport. And it it it, it, it lined up so well, and I just did a little research. I'm like, oh wow, there's a job that will like pay you to go like work at a newspaper and be in Stars and Stripes and like take pictures and all. I'm like it was like amazing. And but just doing a little research and figuring out that there are so many other opportunities out there um, than just driving a tank, which would have been admittedly cool, but I don't think I would have served as long as I did if I was doing that. It's hard to translate tank driver to a civilian job. Not many tanks out here. It is taxi driver. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to go with what Bryce said, um, not only research jobs, but research the different branches. You know, there are, um, my little brother just joined the air force uh, two years ago or so. And, you know, he was looking at the Marine Corps and the Navy and the army. He kind of went through all of them and he was like, you know, I think my personality, I think I want to go to the Navy. And while I had to, you know, gently convince him to go to the air force because they get treated the best uh, and it's not the Navy. I'm just kidding. Um, But no, his personality, he's not one to, you know, fight them here. (laughs) Uh, I got to get my digs in every now and then. I love I, the Navy. I, I, I love watching it play out the whole Navy Marine thing. I think it's it's hilarious. It's awesome. Oh, like uh, strange cousins we are. Anyway, it's, it's love really. His, uh, his personality was a much better fit for the Air Force. He loves it. He's over in Italy now, you know, doing his thing. So it's uh, just yeah, what Bryce said. Do research before you go in to figure out what your best fit would be. So that being said, we, we took a look at if you're a young person, why would you really want to go into the, the military? And I think that you guys give some really great uh, advice there. So the, the next piece of advice is, so one of the things, or the, the next question I have for you guys is, one of the things that I think the Department of Aviation and the and the AUS is really proud of is that we have 16% of our workforce uh, are veterans, which is uh, quite a high number. It's something to be very proud of. And so... I would ask each of you then to say, let us know, what do you think, uh, why should an employer look at a veteran, right? Like what, what, what qualities, and you kind of touched on this already, but to summarize it all up, what qualities do you guys bring as veterans that, uh, you know, are uh, skill sets and attributes that should be closely looked at by employers? Any thoughts on that? I think it goes back to the soft skills that I referenced earlier. You know, you're, your calm under pressure, your diversity, your ability to get things done without much direction, you know, your um, ability to follow through, your discipline and the job. It's, these are all skills that people are looking for, but nobody's really been trained as well as you are in the military. Yeah, I, I agree with training. I mean, that's, that's really it. I couldn't add to that or take away from it. So to, I guess to Michelle's point, um, 
with uh, the Department of Aviation. What do you th- what do you think that that draw is for vet? I mean, sixteen percent's a lot. I mean, that's that's almost. I mean, w- one out of every five. I mean, that's that'd be twenty percent. But um, I mean, more than one in every ten people you see at the airport is, is a vet. Like, what do you what do you think the draw is here? Uh, what's what does that appeal for y'all? For me, um, a lot of my uh, management, my my supervisors um, are part of military. So at least for me, it's giving me that little bit of a taste, um, knowing that they have my back. Um, I don't have to question that. Um, you know, they'll fight for me until the end and only then will they really come back and you know, get on to me behind closed doors, you know, once they've been proven wrong, but up until they've been proven wrong, I know a hundred percent that they'll go to that for me. I think one of the biggest appeals for me is just job security. Um, in the military, you know that you're going to have a job the next day. The government might shut down, but the Marine Corps is never going to go anywhere. The army's never going to go anywhere. Um, city of Austin's not going anywhere anytime soon, hopefully. And so it's, it's nice to know, you know, where I'm going to be and, if I want to be in 10, 15 years, you know, and we're closely located to the nearest VA clinic. We are. Oh yeah. It's right across the street from the airport. That makes it really nice. Whenever you have, you know, an appointment over the VA, you can just come to work and then zip over there, do what you need to do. And then you're good. You see, it's, it's, a, I'll tell you what, it's a bad day when I don't learn something. Whenever we're recording these podcasts, I, Bryce takes me to school. Bryce, stop taking me to school. I love it. Leroy, how about you? On a very small scale, working for the city is 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 kind of you know it has some similarities for the, in the as the military because there's a lot of divisions and a lot of departments and you can look at those like units you know um, different units different departments and then you got your work group which could be like a platoon and you got your squad you know they could be like a like your little work group so you can find a lot of similarities in in working for the city or the government you know, maybe the state or something like that. So I, I think that's what that is. It's a, it's a little similarity there. Thank you for sharing, guys. Uh, your stories are all very inspiring. And thank you for your service. And I will say I, I hope that you guys feel honored um, for Veterans Day. And thank you so much for being here with us. This has been great. That was awesome. So what what can I say other than a huge thanks to Leroy, Allison and Trey for joining us uh, this this afternoon and and talking talking to us about their experiences. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. Thank, and thank you once again. I, one thing I think we maybe have mentioned on the show before, but um, we kind of have our two different roles, Michelle and I. She handles all of our, for lack of a better term, booking. So she just does an amazing job of, of finding folks and getting everybody. Out. Hey, you're a veteran. Come on the podcast. Or, hey, you work here. Come on. the. So thank you so much for, for getting some folks. We did this one kind of as a fairly, not impromptu, but this was a fairly last minute idea as far as how we planned this episode. So you were able to not just get one, but three great guests. In addition, you actually got some other folks to do some real cool stuff too. So as we close out, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I did. You know, I just, we, we had a conversation earlier about, you know, we have so many employees here that are veterans and have so many wild uh, and, and varying experiences with all areas of the armed forces. And so I put out an all call and asked folks, hey, if you're a veteran and you would just like to have your voice heard and share with us uh, you, your name and, and, and the branch that you work for, just 
put it on a recording and we had some folks reach out. And so this was pretty, pretty cool. And so I would, I would like to thank you this Veterans Day, Bryce, for your service and for all of our veteran staff out there. I'd like to also thank those uh, folks too. And, and I know that there's many, many veterans out there who do not actually get Veterans Day as a holiday or as a time off. And they're still there working and uh, showing their, their loyalty and their dedication to the work that they're in. And so I would just uh, heartfelt thanks to everybody and a heartfelt thanks to my hubby who, um, <laughs> right, who, who he doesn't get Veterans Day off. And, I, and I'll say this too. The families of veterans really make it happen as well, right? The support and the love and the understanding that is out there. And so to veterans and their families, a great big thank you this Veterans Day. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. So we're going to leave you with some voices of a few more of our veteran employees here. And as always, uh, I'm your co-host, Bryce Duby. And I'm your co-host, Michelle I. Thanks, folks. See you next time. Hi. My name is Tawanda Cordon. I'm the Airport Operations Chief at AUS, and I am a veteran of the United States Army. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve Kinoyan. I am the Division Manager for Airport Affairs here at Austin Bergstrom International Airport, and I am a Navy veteran. Hi, I am Louis Rodriguez Uriz. I'm an Airport Operations Supervisor for the Landside Access Division here at AUS, and I'm currently on my seventh year with the United States Army Reserve. Hello, I am Mark Reinhardt. I work in the Planning and Development Division at the Austin Bergstrom International Airport. I am a U.S. Navy veteran. Good morning, aviation family. My name is Fong Nguyen, a.k.a. Bin Nguyen. I am new to the aviation uh, organization. I'm currently uh, holding the role of organizational development and training specialist with the Magnificent Performance Management Team. Uh, I am an Army veteran. I look forward to seeing and meeting uh, each and every one of you guys. Go Army! Hi there, this is Kyle Boisley. I'm a member of the Performance Management Team at Aviation, and I also serve as a member of the Air Force National Guard, and I'm currently deployed in support of Operation Lone Star. Thanks, AUS, for your support and for taking care of me while I'm deployed. The Austin Approach is the official podcast of Austin Bergstrom International Airport and the City of Austin's Department of Aviation. Our theme music is produced by Michael Pinnock, the AUS Music Program Coordinator. Thanks for listening.